Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of number two of For YA. Today we'll be discussing chapters one through seven of Eve Bunting's novel, A Sudden Silence. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at never the number two old for YA. This podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, along with YouTube and Facebook. Hey, Kels. Hey, Mel. So you picked this first book. Yes. What drew you to it? Kind of the the fact that Jesse, the main character, that he ends up kind of attracted to his brother's crush after his brother passes away. Also, the fact that Bri is deaf or well, was deaf. That was interesting to me because I've never really read a book about someone who's deaf or like a book with deaf characters. So it just, it kind of intrigued me, like, how is this going to be different than, you know, a standard novel about, or you know, which is usually about hearing people. So when you picked out this book, I was kind of a little wary about it, only because it is less than 100 pages of reading material. But I have to say, now reading the first half of the book, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't a dud. I know. (laughs) Okay, so we had some technical difficulties. We had originally came up with this podcast idea in like June, July of 2021. And we were having so much fun doing it. It was hard work. We were learning as we were going and we had a launch date. We were going to premiere on... December 10th with a whole book that we were reading. We were reading How to Make Friends with the Dark by Kathleen Glasgow. And everything was done. And then when it was time to upload. (laughs) (laughs) So when it was time to upload, I don't want to diss Adobe Audition. And keep in mind that we were coming from not knowing how to use the software or anything. when We basically taught ourselves how to do it. So that's probably part of the problem was that we kind of probably didn't know what we were doing. Nothing saved correctly. We we were trying to get back into files that we had saved like a long time ago because like Melissa said, we had been working on this podcast for weeks for this book. And, and um, so nothing saved correctly. We couldn't upload anything to Anchor, which is our our podcast host, like the hosting website. It was a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> so we scrapped the whole project. Uh, but you didn't miss anything. We didn't like the book at all. But we were really proud of it. And so we moved on. We scrapped the whole project. And here we are with Sudden Silence. Take us through the first half of the book, Kels. So the book opens with... Sorry, I was having trouble swallowing for some reason. I thought you forgot what you read already. No. No. So the book opens with protagonist and narrator Jesse who's a college freshman and his younger brother Bry who's deaf 
walking home from a party. And at the party, Brian had introduced Jesse to his crush, Chloe, and she can hear. She's hearing, and Brian is really excited about that because I guess maybe he never thought that that would be something that would happen to him or that he'd never have a chance with someone like that. I'm not really sure, but he's really excited about that. But then Jesse finds himself liking Chloe too. Like he's immediately kind of attracted to her also. And he just keeps thinking in his head, like, no, that's Bry's girl. That's Bry's girl. And can we just mention that, again, Jesse is a freshman in college and Bry and Chloe are in high school. I know that there's probably not a huge age difference there, but it's kind of a little creepy for me. But keep going. So then Bry and Jesse are walking home from the party and they have to walk along the highway to get back to um, their mobile home park where they live. And there's a there's a pedestrian tunnel that goes under the highway that they could have taken to get there that would have been a lot safer, but they have to double back around to get home. So to save time, they wanted to walk along the highway. It's around 1130 at night. So they're walking and Bri is in front of Jesse. And at first they were walking against traffic and then they cut across the highway and got on the other side of the highway because they were close to home already and they needed to cross the highway to get home. And then all of a sudden, this driver comes out of nowhere, presumably drunk, and Jesse sees him and dives sideways out of the way. And he yells to Bri, get out of the way too, even though he knows that Bri can't hear him. The instinct of like having to let Bri know what was going on. Bri didn't sense the car coming or feel the vibrations of it coming or anything like that. He was oblivious to it. So Bri got hit and landed on the hood and then fell into the middle of the highway. And the driver kept going and then stopped momentarily and then kept going again and just didn't stop again. So presumably drunk driver hit and run and other cars stopped to help Bri and Jesse, but it's already too late. Bri is already dead. And Jesse's really blaming himself a lot for what happened. If he had dove in front of Bry instead of off to the side, then he could have pulled him to safety with him. And then thinking we should have just taken the tunnel and taken the extra time to take the tunnel and everything would have been fine. If our friend who was supposed to give us a ride home hadn't had too much to drink and hadn't smoked so much weed and, you know, passed out at the party then we wouldn't be in this situation. You know, all these kind of things are going through his mind. The police are interrogating him about about the accident and asking him for details about the car. And he sort of has like this flash of a memory that there was something on the back of the car, like a bumper sticker or something that was white, like a circle with something inside of it. But he can't really recall what but kind of doesn't remember it enough in enough detail to recognize it. So, and then he finds himself everywhere he goes on the lookout for that car. He said that it was like a really, like a high-end car, like a Mercedes or something, probably. And he didn't know anybody who drove that kind of car because the cops did ask him that, if it could have been somebody driving drunk from the party. And he said no because none of the kids he knows have cars that are that nice. Although they are in Orange County, though. So that kind of surprised me that 
No, no, the kids have super nice cars. For anybody that doesn't live in California, Orange County is a very uh, upper class area. Very nice. I don't want to. I don't want to say upper class. It's just very nice. So the whole first half of the book is very about like how Jesse's feeling about losing his brother, but also the guilt, like you said. But then they go and his parents find out and that in itself must be horrible so they go to the hospital jesse's parents there they're talking to the police about everything that happened and he was doa and the parents were not angry with jesse and i think that he had a sense that they would be but they weren't they were just glad that you know he was there but It just seems like Jesse's being so hard on himself for everybody. And that was sad because there's nothing he could have physically done to save his brother. But also, like, I would think, like, in the moments after you would be like, what if, like, I could have done this? What if I did this? What if we didn't go home? And he's really struggling with the what ifs right now. That was sad for me. Also, he's really like hard on himself right now because Jesse and Bri were walking home and the whole time Jesse was thinking about Chloe when he knew that Bri had a thing for Chloe. So he was already feeling guilty with that. Then his brother dies. Then this girl Chloe comes back into the picture because they have like the funeral and all that. And um, we just hear that Bri had a crush on her. We didn't hear like the intensity of it um not intensity I don't want to say um but how how much of a crush she had on her because then we find out that Bri had a special relationship with his grandfather um and they would do like models and puzzles and stuff like that like because his grandfather lived in a different state and one of the last things that he was building um and his grandfather was helping him with was a clock because Chloe had said one time when they were hanging out that she really liked it, but he couldn't afford it. So he was making it for her. And like, you don't just make a clock for somebody, you know, like that's going to take time. And, and then when Jesse finds that out, he's like, Oh no, like I should not be talking to her like at all, which is, first of all, is a big no-no when your brother's alive, let alone when he's dead. That is a whole nother low. That sucks so bad. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, what would you do in that situation? Probably try to stay as far away from Chloe as I could. Me too, but, you know, Jesse decides that that's not a good idea. And so Chloe offers to help him put out posters and stuff to try to find Bryce, you know, killer. But they go out in in hopes that they can put up posters around the city uh, to try to find out if anybody saw anything happen that night or any details about the car because it was dark and no one really knew. Again, if you're not from California, Orange County has a lot of highways. There's very little residential streets. Also, the lighting in the main highways are crap. Like 
it is so dark out at night and people just drive like they have to be somewhere in one second. So the way they were walking home and where they were walking home at was a bad idea to begin with. So nobody really saw anything like it would just happen so fast. So they're out putting all these flyers around. And Jesse's kind of still thinking about like Chloe and and he's attracted to her and stuff. And it doesn't help that he knew when she had asked him to do this, that he knew it was a bad idea. And he still went. So was he doing it for his brother or was he doing it just to spend time with her? Because he could have totally told her, yeah, go ahead, do it. I'll do mine and we'll split up, cover more ground. I don't know. That was weird. That's true. You have a good point. I hadn't really thought of that, actually. The day after Bri was killed, Jesse went back to the section of the highway where it happened. And he sees this guy in a black windbreaker. The guy in the black windbreaker is just kind of watching Jesse. And then once the guy realizes that Jesse like has is on to him sees that he's there and he's watching him or whatever he leaves but then he sees him a few days later at Brian's funeral at the graveside so he paid a lot of attention to him and one of the police officers who's working the case was also at the funeral and so he's talking to that police officer after the funeral and asks her did you see that guy in the black windbreaker? He was kind of standing away from everybody else. Like I've seen him before and I just get a weird feeling about him. Like, you know, that he keeps coming up. So he has Alexander make him a sketch of what the guy looks like in the black windbreaker. And and also there's a symbol on the back of his jacket, which is a white circle with something like looks like, looks like a propeller or something in the middle of it. Jesse keeps confusing the symbol on the back of his jacket with the symbol that he saw in the car. Like they keep kind of like melding together in his mind. So he's starting to think that maybe this guy in the black windbreaker was the guy who hit Bry. So he takes the sketch along with the posters and every time they hang a poster up, they start showing the sketch around to people to see, you know, has anyone seen this man? Does anybody recognize him? And so far, nobody does recognize him, and nobody really has any answers about Bry's death and about the car or anything until Jesse goes to do laundry at the laundromat that is at the mobile home park that they live in. And he runs into a couple of neighbors there, and it's these two sisters that live, live together with their dog. And they had taken their dog out for a walk around uh, about half an hour or so before the accident happened and they saw a really erratic driver who was probably drunk also in a dark car uh, and they thought that they were going to get hit but they didn't like basically what they're getting at is wondering like is was it the same car possibly so now somebody else has seen probably the same car but they don't really remember much about it either because what happened with them happened really fast as well. And they didn't get a chance to get a really good look at the car or anything either. But that's basically where it leaves off at the end of chapter seven. 
with Jesse having that new information. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next. If he and Chloe end up still seeing each other at all. Because when she dropped him off at his house the day that they went and put the posters up, he's leaving her figuring that he's never going to see her again. You know, because they don't really have anything in common, really. He's in college, so they didn't go to the same school or anything. Um, He just figures he'll never see her again, and that'll be that. And he's kind of relieved by that because he does find himself attracted to her, and he feels really bad because that was Bry's crush, too. So he's kind of glad that he'll probably never see her again. So, But it'll be interesting to see if if that really is the last of Chloe or not. I'm going to say not. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm going to say not, only because, okay, I see that he's attracted to Chloe, right? I get it, because her and Bri never had, like, anything official going on. But, dude, your brother just died. Like, stop it. I don't understand. There's a million other girls out there, and you decide to pick this one. I was annoyed. Anyways, I say we're not going to see the last of Chloe. But I also say that we don't find out who the driver was. I don't know. I don't see that this book is going to tell us who the driver was. I think it's just going on how Jesse decides to cope with losing his brother and being him, him feeling guilty about losing his brother. I don't know. We might not get to see the driver. Or get to find out who the driver is. But I think we're going to get more Chloe. We only have half of the book left. But a lot can happen in half of a book. That's true. So you never know. That's my prediction. What about you? I think we're definitely going to see more Chloe. I think she's going to keep coming up. I don't know if they're going to find the driver or not. I really hope so. And that's another detail that I forgot to mention earlier. Was that. When Jesse went back to the section of the highway where the crash happened, he so on on one side of the highway, there's the edge of the highway, and then there's like a barbed wire fence. And then on the other side of that barbed wire fence is a ranch. And there's like all kinds of trash on the side of the road. And some of it is on the side of the ranch. And one of the things he finds there is one of Bry's shoes. So he picks it up and takes it And he turns it into the police so that they can look for fingerprints on it to see if they can find the fingerprints of the driver because he's thinking that the driver probably was the one who threw the shoe there to get rid of the evidence. And then there's this, this old homeless man who's an alcoholic who lives on the beach. And Jesse's pretty sure that he saw something that night, but he's not talking. Yeah. And he's a pretty big character. We hear a lot about him. Yeah. This first half of the book. I'm not too sure if he's going to give us anything. um, But I would hope that the author put him in there for a reason. Or else we just got a random homeless drunk on the beach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is kind of interesting, though. His name is Salbug, by the way. And it's kind of interesting how Jesse treats Salbug because he was never really, Jesse was never really that nice to him to begin with. 
like even before this accident happened that killed his brother. But like after his brother got hit by a drunk driver, he just has no patience for Salbug whatsoever because he's a drunk. And one day Jesse and Alexander are walking through the tunnel and they come across Salbug there. And Salbug's kind of bugging them, like asking them for money and stuff. And Jesse goes, oh, I don't have anything. And Alexander only has 75 cents. And Selbug wants a five. But he takes the 75 cents anyway. And Jesse is like, well, I'm not going to give him anything. Like, in his head, in his inner monologue. He's like, I'm not going to give him anything. I'm done with drunks. Like, this is this is BS, basically. Like, screw this guy. His feelings towards Selbug get even more negative after what happens to Bry. So everyone's thinking that this is a drunk driver. I don't know. They could be a drunk driver, but if we do find out who the drunk driver was or who the driver was just at all, I have a feeling it's going to be someone unexpected. Maybe Chloe herself? I don't know. No way. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. But it wasn't Chloe's car. People borrow each other's cars all the time. They're in high school. That's true. But she has her own car. Why would she be driving somebody else's car? Oh, yeah. Chloe's a rich girl. She's got her own car. Daddy bought her her own car. I don't know. There's so many possibilities with the end of this book. Because Mm -hmm. it's such a short book. I have a feeling I'm going to want more. And I'm just not going to get that. But I can dream. I hate that you picked such a short book. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Guys, we're only going to get two episodes out of this book. I just figured it'd be an easy read to get into for the first couple episodes. Ease ourselves into this. Yeah, because we screwed up so badly the first time around. We were like, let's just pick a a smaller book. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We had this book in mind after. (laughs) So we just decided to do this one next. Thanks everybody for tuning in to this first episode of Never Too Old for YA. We really hope that you enjoyed it. Please join us next week. We're reading chapters 8 through 14 and discussing the rest of the book. Please follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Never the Number Two Old for YA. And please listen to us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We can't wait to continue this podcast with you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. We won't see you next week. (laughs) Because you can't see us. (laughs) I'm leaving that in. That's funny. (laughs) Until next time. Bye.